0: So first off, I just want to welcome everyone to this uh, quick special bonus edition of the Nerdtastic 4. It's going to be a quick interview because I'm here with Ben from uh, Warrior Keeper Creative Comics. What do you guys go by right now?
1: Well, we started off as an imprint called Warrior Innkeeper Comics. And then in uh, 2000, uh, what was it, 2014, we uh, rebranded as Warrior Innkeeper Creative. Um, mostly because I needed a more business name because I branched out into graphic design and marketing solutions to bring in money because uh, publishing comics is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're constructing more of a, a business and less of a, um, like we're moving from kind of self-publishing to uh, becoming a full-fledged pu- publisher.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I'm sure lots of people will be interested just to hear about, like, that bit. And if you haven't guessed yet, this is an interview, because uh, Ben (laughs) here is doing a comic, one that I didn't realize. I actually bought the Ides of Mart of the Black Suit of Death comic, and it came in. And you know what I realized? I read this probably a year ago, but I think it was black and white. Oh, my God, really? Was there a black and white version of this? There was
1: a black and white version, yes.
0: I read the black and white version. I don't know how, I, I don't remember where or how I got my hands on it, but there was a black and white version that I read. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing so the uh the coloring in it is really cool and yeah uh, one of the re- reasons why i asked you on was uh i saw this on kickstarter and then you contacted me and i that's why we were following you was i saw this and i was like oh i'm gonna do this this is really cool i think it'll be interesting
1: yeah um,
0: thank you <laughs> that's awesome I, yeah how did you because aren't you in the midwest i am and i have no i i it had to have been at a con or a trade show
1: Oh, must have been. That's amazing. That's cool. That's exciting because I, I haven't been able to do any cons outside of um, uh, Washington and Oregon. And I haven't done any conventions up in Washington for years. So you, if you had the black and white version... Okay, do, do you have the blue cover or the red cover for the black
0: and white? I don't know for the black. And- I have the blue one for the color version right now.
1: Okay. Yeah, because we um, we did a, uh, a decent-sized print for uh, our first year, which was, uh, I want to say, 2011. And we went to uh, Emerald City Comic Con, and we took our first two books there, Black City Death, Ides of March, uh, Black and White, and then an uh, all-ages book called The Less-Than-Historical Adventures of Little Lincoln.
0: Yeah, and, see, I saw that. I saw both of those.
1: Yeah, and that was at uh, Emerald City up in uh, Seattle, and, uh, but we haven't been up there since, and we've mostly just done uh, the Portland Comic Show, which is now um, uh, Rose City Comic-Con, and then Salem has a couple new shows, uh, Cherry City Comic-Con, and uh, Northwest Comic Show is in its second year this summer, and so we've been going to those because I live uh, in uh, just outside the state capital of Salem in a little town called Independence, which is a lot of fun being in independent comics, making them in Independence, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I get a kick out
0: of it. <laughs> That's ironic. It's ironic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it ended up here, but it it was pro- I think it had to have been last year and it was either Amicon, which is our local con, or Yellow City, which is our other one, maybe Hub City, which is Lubbock's. It's a two hour or hour and thirty minutes, forty five minutes from here. Uh and I went to both of those. Well, all three of those. So I guess maybe it was it had to have been there because I started reading, I was like, I picked this up and thumbed through it. I because I thought the story was kind of interesting. I remember that. I don't know, and I saw the little, uh, little Abe or little Lincoln was there with it, and then there was something else, but I can't remember. Because I remember thinking very much that it reminded me of a uh, fistful of blood by Eastman, Kevin Eastman's uh, fistful of blood.
1: Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't gotten a chance to uh, read it. Yeah, um, well, the I, have, the, I haven't even, even seen it. You know, I keep forgetting to um, look it up because I love those guys.
0: Yeah, it's very similar <laughs> as far as tone and style. Yeah. Um, So I was just wondering, I didn't know if you'd ever read that, but that's cool. That's cool. Um, Well, you know what? Why don't you introduce yourself here and just give a little bit of backstory of how you came up with the comic and where it started and all that. Uh,
1: Well, um, my name is Ben Krieger and uh, um, this, this, this whole comic journey, you know, began like I think it it does with most people in my adolescence, I stumbled upon, uh, you know, Spider-Man and started reading comics and got into Uh, comics uh for that way it was kind of an escape escapism you know because i was you know a geeky little kid i got had bullies and whatnot so uh parents going through a divorce so escapism was like you know something that you need um spider-man just uh reading how peter parker overcame his challenges and you know he was a geeky kid too so i really related to him a lot after seeing uh, that uh, infamous uh, commercial, Spike Lee commercial with Rob Liefeld. <laughs> remember that?
0: Yeah. Was that was that jeans or what was he saying? Was, it, was, it was for,
1: uh, um, I think, Levi's 501s or something. Yeah, yeah. With his backwards hat. I remember that. Yeah. But that was like the last thing that I took away from the commercial. What I saw was a guy that wasn't that much older than me was making comics and not just any comics. He was working on an X, X-Men type books. And uh, uh, he created X-Force. And so, you know, after seeing that commercial, I, you know, begged my mom to take me to the grocery store back when you could still buy comics (laughs) off the rack there. Yeah. And, you know, I found X-Force too. And what seeing uh, uh, that commercial told me or taught me was like, anybody can do this. If you put your mind to it, you can make comics too. And I, you know, that concept just never really clicked. It was like, comics were made somewhere magical in you know, like New York or la or something <laughs> and uh, then this kid is you know making x-force which I thought was badass at the time
0: No, I think uh-huh. it, I think it definitely was you know it was it was something special that's
1: for sure that was a really interesting time for I think comics and comic readers
0: oh yeah definitely when they broke off and formed image and all of that and there was largely yeah. like, him and Jim Lee and they had that old you know, creator owner thing. I, I was always digging that. It's really interesting that you got into it right there.
1: Yeah, that was you know the the moment in history. It kind of changed my life. Um, so in high school, I started making my own books. Uh, there was it was kind of a a, a Marvel universe clone. <laughs> it was called uh, Quantum Comics, and it was really exciting. My friends and I made a few uh, uh, handmade comic books. But uh, my dream was to uh, become an actor. I was uh, studying in a local theater, a children's theater there. I did that for about five years. And after high school, I um, got into uh, filmmaking. And um, it was uh, like my plan was I was either going to make a blockbuster film or I was going to write a best-selling novel. And the money from that was going to pay to create my comic company.
0: That sounds like a solid plan. I still. That's a that great plan, plan. right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that did. Of course, that didn't happen. So, you know, I got convinced to get a practical job and kind of leave the arts behind, which, uh, you know, it's it's a little heartbreaking. But I think it's what I needed at the time. Um, so I moved on and then there was uh, the whole 9-11 thing and I um, joined the Army to try and help out. And did a couple stints over in Iraq and kind of messed with my brain a little. When I got home, it was really hard to adjust. Um, I fell into depression, had uh, lots of fun with PTSD, um, lost my job, house. I got divorced, which was actually a really great thing. <laughs> should have got divorced before I joined the Army. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> I mean, sometimes those things have to happen for you to realize, you know. I know, I know. I, I'm not, I'm not bummed about it. But it's good. That it's a silver <laughs> lining, at least, you know. It
1: is, yeah. Um, so I was, I was in a really bad place, and I ended up on uh, a friend's couch, and he was a independent comic publisher. He, um, there's a comic company called, or his company is called uh, Dark Slinger Comics. Um. Anyways, so uh, he helped me out, and he convinced me that maybe I could, you know, do this myself. And I started writing comics and started getting into it. And uh, then I got shipped off for another tour in the Middle East. And um, strangely enough, I landed in Kuwait, so I had some time on my hand to develop <laughs> my comic company. And I had, you know, army money at the time to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm in... Uh, uh, Seattle at Emerald City Comic Con and, uh, um, you know, building a career in the arts for uh, the first time. And it felt very, very natural. Like this is what I was always supposed to be. Um, I worked, uh, what do you call it? I worked at Graveyard Shifts for 12 years almost and doing manufacturing. So I got a pretty decent paycheck, but I was miserable the whole time. And I found that when I started making comics that um, not only did it help heal me from uh, uh, fix some of my brain problems, my uh, mental health improved a lot by creating comic books. I was a lot happier. You know, uh, Of course, there's always the, the great struggle for uh, income, but it pales in comparison to doing something that you really love and that you're really passionate about. And so I often encourage people to, you know, find your passion and follow that. Because, you know, the paychecks uh, and other jobs can be nice, but it's a job. It's not a career. It's not something you're passionate about. It felt, you know, very uh, soul crushing. <laughs> and now that I'm, you know, doing comics and working in graphic design and um, being creative, uh life is 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 uh near bliss
0: <laughs> that's
1: awesome maybe that sounds cheesy but that's, no that dude sounds that sounds good.
0: great i mean that's what everyone wants and it's cool that you're doing it through comics because it's something you love not just because it's something i love like comics but it is and you know i have to be honest one of the little details that pulled me in uh aside from the dialogue which yeah, i just read the sample page you know that's up on the kickstarter which we'll talk about yes there's a kickstarter <laughs> but um we're not pitching that so hard right now we'll get into it um was Ava being uh, a mixed Native American character, because I am Native American, and uh, you don't really see that a lot in comics. You see it more than you used to, but yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, what made you go with that? Because that's a, that's a personal struggle for me, and I read the stuff where you guys were talking about how personal it was for you, and that creating this was an outlet, and you didn't just want to pull people into it. Um, I know that you you know were a vet, and you had other experiences, and it was a really personal project, but that was personal to me, and I thought that was a weird connection, and that's kind of why I agreed to do the interview and was really interested in backing the project myself. So how did that come about? I just have to ask.
1: Well, um, I'm glad you did. Uh, it's something that I've been uh, wanting to talk about, just haven't gotten the, the opportunity. So thank you. Um, but it wasn't uh, necessarily my idea. So Black Suit of Death was created originally created 20 years ago as a short film for white geeky boys with no connections to girls made a parody of scream with a a Barbie doll playing drew Barrymore. So it's origins are, um, you know, just very suburb, uh, Northwest America. (laughs) And, uh, when we were working, uh, to make the series last year when we're like really starting to put everything together. Um, I'm a big fan of boom studios. I love what's coming out of that, that company. For sure. And they did the, um, uh, they're doing the uh, push comics forward initiative to try and um, bring more diversity into comics, which <clears throat> I think is is really awesome. And on top of that, the movie Home came out, and wow. this is going to sound weird, but this is you know just kind of my <laughs> perspective. When I got done watching that, you know, I was reading the Boom article, and it clicked on me that the little girl in that movie um was a black girl she, she was a, a lead and you don't see that in animation i think i i i can't remember any animated film i've seen that um had a uh, a, a black girl as the lead star uh, except from uh disney's uh frog princess, princess, princess the,
0: yeah princess and the frog my wife's a fan of the, that yeah. yeah
1: and um i come from a uh a, a blended family so my family um, growing up my sister was adopted from India and so uh, watching her uh, struggle with um, I don't know what the term racism I guess at a very early age she was um, four or five and she was in daycare and this girl told her that brown girls couldn't have babies and that really upset her and I was I was shocked for one thing I didn't think you know the community we lived in, had racism. I mean, you know, I'm sure it was mostly white, but you know, these things just didn't occur to me for whatever reason, and and that hit me really hard. And you know, I'll just never forget just the tears of my little sister, my kid sister, crying. Um, you know, I tried to you know explain to her that some people are just shitty.
0: <laughs> no, I mean it's true, and I'm, I'm I'm glad. I'm now I'm really glad that I I've asked. Yeah, because. That's that's, a, that's the real struggle. I mean, people don't always see it, and you don't see it in comics so much. There have been yep. some really great titles with that in there, but that's not usually part of the subject, and I know it's not really here either, but it's nice to see a character come in. I mean, Marvel has Red Wolf right now, which I'm a big fan of because of that. They did the Infinity Gauntlet during their uh, last event that was really cool. So it's just nice to see that there's some diversity really getting put into comics and not being pushed to the forefront. Like, look at us, we're, you know... Being diverse. And I thought that was a really cool idea that it didn't seem like you guys were going to make her like a noble savage or make it a big part. It was just who she was. Yeah,
1: it's just who she was. And that's how we how we approached it. Is like, you know, our experience, we can all uh, a writer can only write from his own experience. And I don't want to jump into, uh, I guess, I don't know, areas I'm not familiar with. But, uh, you know, we're thinking about this whole thing. And thinking about, you know, why couldn't movies like, like home exist when my, my kid's sister was growing up, um, my kids, uh, um, themselves, I got, um, a stepdaughter that is, uh, half, uh, Hispanic, um, my boys, um, on their mother's side are, uh, part Jewish. And so, you know, I've been, you know, boom and all these things that were going on at the time just made me really think about, well. Here I am writing a comic book. Is there anything that I can add to it to, one, not only make the characters a little more interesting, because I I really like character building. I like fleshing everybody out. But is there something that I can put in my book that, you know, maybe others can relate to more than just, I mean, it could have just been, you know, four geeky guys and the uh, protagonist, you know, and I thought we could do a little bit more than that. So uh, Ed and I, my co-writer Ed Esworth and I, um, he's from Arizona. so we had Ava as a Russian um, <clears throat> uh, by not that she grew up in Russia, but that you know her father was a second generation American, but his parents were from Russia, that kind of thing. yeah, it's like, well, what where's her mother from? Who is her mother? And these characters are from Arizona. and uh, it just kind of clicked and made sense for the story and for the character to um have her mother be uh, a, a native as well. And we thought once once that combination happened, it seemed like a, hundreds of stories for Ava came out of that. And that's what I really, really love about character building. And um, I think is one of the really great things about making your story a little more diverse is, um, you know, figure out who the characters are and the stories will come. And I'm real big on uh, putting some truth in the story. Um, and so when you make a character that feels like a real person, the truth in the story kind of can come out of that too. And so um, I don't know if I'm <laughs> explaining. I'm, I'm no, no, no. It's great. I'm, I'm, I'm being
0: quiet because I, I like it.
1: But like it just it energized the story so much. I mean, it's not like we have you know, big plans to explore diversity or things like that. We, you know, we have this story and it's, you know, a silly horror story with some sci-fi elements and it's um, it's got, uh, you know, it's, it's entertainment, but somehow it's developed this really, this other deep side of it. I mean, the main character is dealing with depression and PTSD, just like Edward and I do. Um, the people that surround him are dealing with their, you know, own unique things, and it's it's just very exciting. It's like when we created this silly parody carrier character twenty years ago, I never would have thought it would be something that uh, would be more than you know entertainment. And somehow we've, at least I feel that we have created something that is a little bit more that that this is. Um, I'm, so, I'm getting really excited. It's just that
0: no, this is
1: what Black Suit of Death was always meant to be. It was always supposed to be, you know, this, uh, comical sci-fi horror, uh, uh, thing. But yeah. when you leave, there's something else. Um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Wes Craven and I feel that a lot of his films did the same thing. And so, if I have a target to aim for, it, or I think it's to to uh, maybe. It,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's funny that you t- mentioned. Yeah, allow him to influence me a little bit, I guess. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually thinking the one of the places I would think I would see a write up about this comic is uh, Fangoria. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of magazine awesome. I would assume I would find <laughs> this in is like Heavy Metal or Fangoria, you know?
1: Yeah, well, um, Stefano Carnicelli, the artist who drew. Uh, Eyes of March is has actually done a lot of work for heavy metal, so you know there there is a a marriage there between um, those uh, comics and, and magazines you mentioned.
0: So but, it, uh, yeah, it's it was just it blew me away because I didn't even know that, but I I saw it and I was like, you know, this reminds me of what you used to read as a kid in those magazines when they would have their comics. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, why actually you were mentioned the black suit of death and we've been talking about this, this whole thing is about. So why don't you explain the story a little bit and then maybe explain the Kickstarter, what some of the perks are, what you guys are trying to do, where the money's going. Cause it's not a whole lot of money. You guys are almost there. So any help we can get from this. Yeah. we a let's... link. There'll be a link in the description that people can click on and we'll tweet out some stuff for you.
1: Sweet. Uh, sure. Um, the run, <laughs> the rundown of the story. So maybe now your listeners will go, well, he keeps calling it silly. Um, This is why. So, like I said, this started as uh, a short film my buddies and I did way back when. Uh, We saw Scream. We were inspired by it. We were bored. We had a camcorder. So we made a parody of Scream and, uh, you know, used a a Barbie doll to fill in for Drew Barrymore. So it was a weird mix of this guy in a black suit killing live action people and then killing a Barbie doll. It was very, very bizarre. Uh, But we saw something in this black suited character. So we wrote an original screenplay to feature him. And uh, we shot a scene here and shot a scene there, but never were able to finish the film. And we all went on with our lives. However, about, uh, Oh, I don't know. Seven years ago, eight years ago. Jeez. It's been so long. <laughs> when I got into comics, um, I approached Ed. I said, you know, that black suited character we had, you know, we joked about it called it black suit of death. Well, what if we did something with it? Um, doing comics now, do you want to, you know, try to write something based on our old screenplay? And we discovered that in comics, the comic medium, you're not penned down by a budget. And that was one of the problems we had when trying to make this as a film. We didn't have any money, and we're trying to make this epic film. But in comic books, the budget is a lot smaller, yet you can do really big epic things. And that's when Ed came back to me with this science fiction take on The Grim Reaper. And so we wrote Ides of March and uh, got it drawn up. And uh, and that book um, takes a non-supernatural origin story for the Grim Reaper suit on uh, the planet Utopia 9. And uh, there might be a little bit of spoilers here. I try not to, but (laughs) the book is still fun, even if you know all this stuff. But it's the setup for the series, so I'm going to go ahead. Uh, (laughs) On the planet Utopia 9... It's, you know, obviously a utopian society. Um, because there was no war, no disease, no famine, population was growing out of control. And because of the larger population, there was an energy crisis on the planet. And the, the governing council was trying to figure out how to solve this. So they tasked a Dr. Sietzen to, you know, try and solve this problem. And he came back with a very disturbing solution. He wanted to kill two birds with one stone and he created the Black Suit of Death. And what that is is, whoever um, the Black Suit of Death needs a pilot, and the suit and the pilot judge who is worthy of Utopia and who is unworthy of Utopia. And those that are unworthy, their life energy is harvested for the battery, uh, the planet's batter- battery core, their energy core. And um, the plan, the government didn't think killing people was the right solution.
0: <laughs> so strange how they came to that conclusion. I know. <laughs>
1: It's a perfect solution. You lower the population, you get more energy. Um, so they banish uh, Dr. Sietzen and the suit to Earth. So the Grim Reaper suit shows up on Earth about 10,000 years ago. And throughout human history, it's had a number of different pilots and is the basis for uh, the Angel of Death, the Grim Reaper, the guy in the river Styx, uh, whenever there's been uh, mass casualties like the Angel of Death from the Bible in Egypt, um, the Black Plague, those things were actually the black suit of death going, you know, causing havoc. And um, then we get to modern times. Cause I'm, I'm being a little vague now because we're getting closer to the series, the new right, stuff. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, this uh, college student who's uh, uh, struggling with depression uh, stumbles upon the Grim Reaper's suit, the black suit of death, and he becomes the modern day pilot. And so now he not only has to cope with um, his, his own personal problems in the world, but now he has this hunger to uh, kill people who are um, unworthy of utopia, according to the uh, biomechanoid suits algorithms and his own personal uh, morality. And so it's this uh, really complicated story wrapped up in uh, um, a very silly word. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Edward described it really well. how i'm trying to remember what he said he said uh the main character ed grimes is like a a normal guy struggling with you know normal situation but he's in this absurd world and he's got to you know deal with all that absurdity as well and um, it's it's so much fun to write and so much fun to uh, uh create and explore these characters and we've created a uh, huge universe for this. We have what we call the Black City Death Bible that has all the information that, uh, because we're co-writers, we needed a uh, tool to, you know, throw all our ideas in and reference, you know, to keep a uh, continuity right and everything. And so this BSD Bible has all the characters, all the plots, all the secrets, everything in there. So as we continue to write the series we can go back and reference that and go oh yeah that was great let's
0: put it in this issue can i ask you a question real quick about
1: that yeah i'm sorry i i I no no
0: i know i just have i want to know does the bible contain what happened to the other utopias yes (laughs) okay at some point i I would love to see that in the back pages or as a solo or something just because it interested me a lot when i reread this and i was like wait a minute what happened to the other ones Yeah. Are there other suits? I mean, I know that's probably not something you're wanting to say,
1: but yeah. But um, yeah, so Utopia one through eight. Let's see. I think we've mapped out three or four of them so far. So we haven't we haven't figured out all of it. Um, I'm leaving it up to Ed. He invented it, so it's his his job to come up with the rest. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you in the series you will find out um, rather quickly. Uh, what happens to at least uh, one previous version as well as what happened to 9 after uh, Sietson was banished
0: that's cool because I feel like it draws from a lot of different places even just hearing you talk about it I'm having new ones pop in my head but I was thinking like it has some parts that remind me of like Death Note I don't know if you've ever seen that the ability to kill people just at will because of the suit it's not the book but it's the same kind of thing it's very Judge Dread because you're Judge, Juror, Executioner um, yeah, we,
1: we we definitely draw from a lot of uh, you know things I that we nachos. we loved reading growing up. What? Mommy has nachos. <laughs> that's the best news all night. My three olds here. I want nachos. What do you want? I want <laughs> he wants nachos. Yeah,
0: I don't blame that's, him. I want them. So I made for dinner.
1: Excuse me. Yeah. So I love so many different things. I'm I'm a major major geek. You know. I can't. I can't get enough. Um, I certainly don't get have enough time to read everything I want to read, but yeah, uh, there's there's some Judge Dredd there. Um, never seen anyone pointed out before, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, a big influence, um, uh, and I think it'll be more obvious, is uh, Bruce Campbell and of course the Evil Dead series. Um, my dream is to like get Sam Raimi to direct the movie or something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, he might. He might. I think this is up his alley, like that, because it's that kind so. of wacky horror. Like you say, wacky horror, and it's very much evil dead Like people shouldn't get the idea that it's just some. It's more serious than it is silly. The silliness comes from being in the situation with this horror. Yeah,
1: I think the horror uh, yes. uh, comes more from like uh, so Nightmare on Elm Street. You know that was a big series for me, and there's definitely some influence there. But I think when when I'm writing the horror. The, the the gore it's more evil dead 2 that movie um it fascinated me how he was able to like keep it creepy and have these horrible things happen to these people but then make you laugh when the wall bursts with blood <laughs> and so i think whether i think sometimes when i'm writing uh evil dead 2 is uh really kind of influencing some of it
0: yeah, well, I think it's definitely there. Like I said, you get the very that late '80s, early '90s. You were talking about Live Field, and you were talking about, you know, Evil Dead, and I brought up Fangoria, and all these things are very much in the same tone. I wouldn't to say this is in a harmony with them, like musically. I don't know how to explain that with words, but that's what it reminds me of. Like this just fits in there.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically everything we love thrown into a blender. I think. <laughs> Like it took us took us a long time to figure out how to describe it. it's like oh what genre is your book is like I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> so I think our 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 phrase is it's a uh, satirical science fiction horror story. That I think it's about the right best way to describe it. And then we've got this you know fantastic uh, artist for the series Dexter Wee, and he keeps sending me like like we're not even commissioning him for these pictures he's been given us for the Kickstarter and he's just every week he sends me a new uh, drawing and it's he so gets the character and I was telling him that yesterday is like you get this character like each picture that you draw it's like that's what's been in my head for 20 years and he goes um I haven't really read the script yet <laughs> like how do you understand the character <laughs> which kind of, I mean he's he's read an early draft um, but, but uh as far as like the, the final draft, I think he's only read the first few pages that he's had to draw for uh, our preview pages for the uh, campaign. No, and so it cracks me up. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
0: no, I'm sorry. Can I ask, uh, do you think that that's part of it? Because I think that's what plays into it for me, and I think would play into anyone why I would support it. Because I think this could be a thing is that this idea that it's the Grim Reaper, all that other story is secondary really to this thought of death and how would you handle it and it being there it's a universal thing like you were talking about all the you know it could have been sharon it could have been you know the black death it's the angel of death it's all these things that that's just a common thread throughout humanity and you guys are really playing with that and be it in a fun way in a gory way but you're still you know utilizing that common thread that plays through cultures through people times places
1: yeah Um, what's, what's weird is when we're in, you know, the early stages, um, really, really up until, um, we had, uh, I think it was maybe the fifth draft of the first issue. We didn't think this was really an original story. Uh, we didn't really concern ourselves with originality and it wasn't until we really started showing people and they're going, they were saying, I've never seen anything like this before. And that got us like really, really excited. And it helps, you know, as as uh, uh, creatives, it helps to have that little ego boost every now and again, because you always wonder if you're on the right track. Are people going to like this? Um, Why the hell am I even doing this? (laughs) Uh, So to get that feedback to um, the people see what we're doing or, or see something more than maybe what we even see. It's incredibly exciting and rewarding, which is which is just awesome. Uh, you know we started out writing this just mostly to entertain ourselves and give us a, a creative outlet and we feel very uh, lucky that uh, others really like it too and um, that we're you know able to uh, give them something that maybe they, they can relate to. And you know going back to when I was a kid and uh, relating to Spider-Man, Um, you know, I certainly understand how important that can be. And so we're becoming more and more aware of our own story through, uh, our readers reactions.
0: That's really cool that you guys take that into account because, you know, with the bigger publishers and stuff, unless you really have some pool or, you know, somebody, you don't get that kind of direct interaction.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what I love about, um, kind of the modern age is, uh, Facebook and Twitter and, uh, uh, you get to hear from your readers at uh, comic cons. You get to, you know, actually meet them face to face and hear their stories, and that it's just it's exciting. It's not, it's an exciting time to be alive. I think it's scary, but <laughs> there's some scary stuff out there too. But it, it, it is it's it's mostly exciting. I, at, least, at least that's my perception.
0: No, I I, I agree. I had this moment where uh, Phil Noto, who did last year's Black Widow, does Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, popular, famous artist. responded to me and we had like this little conversation and then Nathan Edmondson jumped in and I was like you know what I feel like I'm robbing you of your time you should be out drawing (laughs) and writing comics Uh,
1: have you seen that meme that talks about uh, uh, creative people how they spend their time there's like one little sliver of the pie that says actually doing art and the rest of it is you know Facebook Twitter and you know it's um, so, so sad that it's true (laughs) like <laughs> a lot of people that uh i get to work with a lot of artists and stuff you know we, we joke about this all the time it's like you're on facebook get off facebook go do your job like i can't i'm drawing
0: i swear i think everyone has those moments i know one comic artist the friend of mine who actually doesn't have a facebook or a twitter and he gets he's the most productive of us but- He's smart yeah that's smart. <laughs> And he gets he gets real jobs. That's why he gets calls up from Marvel and Dark Horse and stuff. And <laughs> the rest of us are not. Because, uh, like, uh, you don't – I don't think you know this because I think we've only mentioned it maybe once on the podcast. But we all met because we do festival films. That's so uh, – Cool. It's kind of interesting hearing that you came from that background because I'm on the kind of a similar journey, I guess. Like, I started out and I was like, I'm going to be a famous writer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I didn't like my own writing. people did, but I didn't. So I was like, no, 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 I'll do something else. And then I just happened to do photography and video and people were like, oh, you should do this. Do you know how to use Photoshop? And I'm like, yeah, pretty well. And so now I do like banners and videos and all this kind of stuff, kind of what you were talking about you do. And it's, it's weird to do this graphic design and a lot of charity work and all this stuff. And then people, you know, still go, well, you must really have fun. I'm like, I actually don't like this the most. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is not what i want to do i would love and it took me forever to realize you know what all the stories i, I write probably work better as comics because i'm a giant comic nerd and that's how i see stories and you were talking about comics as a medium what you can do yeah. with it is different than what you can do with the visuals of say a movie or written word with a book it combines all these things you ha- you can get action and flow and i'm always in awe of that because i honestly don't think i could ever make a comic but whenever I read one, especially indie guys like you, it makes me think, wow, the, the ability to sit down and put that and make that happen to put words into action to have your thoughts come out like that. It, it's amazing. So, um, you know, big props to you for that, man. I just,
1: oh, It's very exciting. When you get that first page of the first comic you've ever written drawn by someone and see this artist take your story and put their own vision on it. And then you get it back and you're looking at this and going, oh, my gosh, what we just created something. And then you get that first book printed for the first time. And, you know, the, the smell of print, I, I love it so much. Like, you know, libraries and comic shops are my favorite place to be. And Amen. and then you get that book that you created that, that, you know, you sent off to the printer and there it is in your hands for this first time. It becomes uh, almost an addiction. And, um, so, so, for me, it was like when I got that first book, I was like really excited and then I start flipping through it and there's excitement there. And then I flip through it again and I'm going, oh my God, I screwed up. <laughs> and so it's, it's motivation to, to learn more, uh, uh, and get better at this job. And, you know, um, it led me into, um, learning more about graphic design. Now I letter all my own comics and, um, I uh, uh, got a couple. Uh, I have a couple gigs lettering uh, a webcomic and other stuff. And the graphic design has led into you know me building my business into something bigger than what it was. Um, and uh, so comics is just I don't know. There's something about this thing that comics is that.
0: I, I, it's like being in love, it, man. I know what you mean. Yeah, you can't put yeah. it into words. Comics just work the way comics it just work. works.
1: It it makes my life better.
0: <laughs> Cause you say that new print smell, and I'm like, that is the best smell in the world. And only, oh. I think only comic nerds know that. Like when you smell that on Wednesdays, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You walk in and you're like, they're here, they're here. It's time to hunt. Like that, your hunter gather instincts yeah, come out. Yeah. And you're like, oh yes. Yeah. We're, that- we're we're going to go on this. Uh, <laughs> So I I asked earlier and we got we got sidetracked a little bit because I, I do that. I got, no, it was me. Yeah. I got into the asking questions about the world, um, the Kickstarter. Go yeah. ahead and pitch that. Tell them what's going right, on group. there, what you're doing.
1: Okay, so uh, we have what as of as of this recording. There what do we got? Twelve days left. Oh God, that's scary. Um, so the Kickstarter is uh, can be found at Fund Dot com. We created a nice, easy address for everybody to use because Kickstarter is always super long. Um, of course, you can always just go to Kickstarter.com and type in Black Suit of Death, and you'll find us. And that was that was a lot of fun to put together. We have a, uh, I think it's fairly entertaining video. A friend of ours uh, played a, um, a mystery, no wait, what is it? A masterpiece theater type character. And we decided to uh, tell our story about our crowdfunding efforts through a uh, masterpiece theater parody, which I think is really quite brilliant. I had a lot of fun editing that. Um, Edward shot it with his friend, and then they sent it to me, and I used movie magic to put it all together. Uh, so the Kickstarter is for Blacks to Death number one. Sorry, I'm, I got, I, see, I get sidetracked too. I'm rambling here. <laughs> it's okay is for Black to Death number one and we're aiming to raise $6,000 and the majority of that will go towards uh, paying the artists, our wonderful artist Dexter Lee and uh, our colorist uh, Brian Arfel Magne. I'm really not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right so I always get scared when I say his name. Um, we were able to dump uh, uh, $900 of our own money. Somehow we <laughs> scraped that up in six months. And we're able to create the preview pages, which can be seen on there. Um, I was very excited. I got to work with two, two of my heroes on this book, the um, talented artist, uh, Brett Weldellay. He, uh, he, he's, he's a local. He's from Salem. He now lives, uh, I think up in Portland or something. And I met him through a mutual friend and at cons and stuff. I talked to him. He did our, he did our cover. You uh, may know his work. If you've seen the comic book surrogates, which, uh, Disney also turned into a movie starring Bruce Willis. Yep. So I would feel very privileged to be able to work with him. And, uh, we have, um, in addition to our basic comic, I wanted to, you know, put a fun cartoon in the back of comics. You know, when I was growing up reading Spider-Man, there was always the uh, comic Petey at the end. And those were always just kind of, kind of fun little dessert after reading your comic, you know? And, um, Somehow, I, I I don't know how, uh, he's, he's definitely one of the nicest people in comics. Uh, the guy that drew PD Fred Henbeck, uh, <coughs> helped us create a comic called Little BSD, which is, um, you know, we gave him a creative license. We said, hey, we want to do this thing, Little BSD. Well, he agreed to do it. And uh, he took the commission and uh, created this really fun comic. So now we get, you know, we get to have something. In our book, like uh, I had in the comics I grew up reading, so we got a Little BSD, and you can read the first comic on our Kickstarter. I don't know what else should I say about this thing. I'm rambling. No, it's cool.
0: <laughs> it's cool that you mentioned it because that was a good get, man. Because I was always a fan of the uh, bullpen bulletins. Yes, yes, I love those too. And so you know, seeing that you guys are bringing that kind of flavor, and it shows that you know you have a history, you have a lineage here. Yeah. Uh, just a respect for the way you know. I love
1: I love all these old you know growing up and seeing these things and uh, a lot of a lot of fun has been taken out of comics I feel and I don't want to be too harsh because I still you know love all the superheroes and everything but it seems like they've changed so much like there were comics were made a certain way for you know like 60 years and then all of a sudden the new century they decided to take away some of the fun of it and it got a little too serious um, and I'm saying this as I'm, you know, writing a silly, half serious comic. And so I wanted to try and bring some of that back. I wanted to pay homage to, uh, the people I read. Um, and I, I get to work with one of them, which is just, I don't know. I'm, I'm so, I'm still kind of giddy about it, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, whew, back to the Kickstarter, <laughs> let me, let me try and promote my stuff. Maybe. Um we have a lot of great rewards. We had a lot of success with some early bird rewards which was awesome. Um we are, we're offering uh original pages from Dexter Wee. like so we have the 3 that are drawn up now and uh, by October uh, the rest of the book will be finished. And so we'll be able to ship out uh these original art pages from Black City to Death. I think we have 20 that we're offering at the higher tiers. You can you can buy uh or get as a reward, an original page from the book. Um, You can get a sketch cover by Dexter Wee. Uh, You can get the book signed by all the authors, uh, by the writers, by the writers and the artists. (laughs) So um, Dexter and Brian, they live in the Philippines on uh, two separate islands. And so we uh, placed the, um, the comic book signed by the creative team at a higher tier. My son's upset about something.
0: It's the nachos. It's okay. It's the
1: nachos. Uh, anyway, we set the uh, comic signed by the whole artistic team at a higher tier because uh, shipping to the Philippines is actually really expensive. So the book will have to be shipped from the U.S. to the Philippines, to another island in the Philippines, back to the U.S. And then uh, me and Ed live in different states. If we are able to convince uh, Fred Hembeck to do a couple signatures too, he lives in New York. So the book will get shipped all over the place. Um, So we're guaranteeing four signatures. uh, Me, Ed, uh, Brian, and Dexter at the higher tier. But we're also going to try to get uh, the cover artists, Will Delay and Hembeck, to sign it as well. But I don't want to like guarantee that because I haven't asked them yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which may well, it's still a good deal. I mean, if anyone's <laughs> going to, you know, do this, that's that you can't really beat that. I mean, not many creative teams are just signing a bunch of comics and putting them out there trying to get their stuff made like that. So. It's, it's a good yeah. deal. Yeah.
1: And uh, we got a bunch of prints uh, before I finish up here, trying to stumble over my own Kickstarter here. Uh, we're doing some add-ons. I want to talk about this real quick. So we like add-ons. Add-ons are pretty cool. A lot of people don't start them till after they hit uh, their stretch goals, which it's, is cool. This is the
0: this is the milestones, right? Yeah, this is the milestones. So. I think that – I agree. I thought that was a really innovative thing, and that was another reason that I gave what well, you guys are doing it right where you're revealing things as you reach funding goals, not after people have already paid for stuff. Right.
1: And we wanted to give a little bit extra because it's just, it's been an incredible journey in this Kickstarter. You know, uh, they're roller coasters. So you got really great days and all, all these pledges are coming in. Then you have really bad days where nothing's coming in. Uh, uh, Sometimes you take a little too, too much to heart. Um, But we wanted to give back to everyone that, you know, jumped in right away. And so we're giving away, uh, uh, two free things. We're giving away a, our, our first add-on was a digital promo package, which is three wallpapers, which was actually inspired by a comment. Um, someone had put on the page said, Oh, I want a wallpaper so bad. It's like, Oh, well, let's just make a couple and give them away as an add-on. You know, they don't cost us anything, just a little bit of time. Right. <laughs> and, and then, uh, we're doing bookmarks as a free add-on. Um, just because I like I like bookmarks I don't, I don't really ever use them but you know I have a small collection they're fun things to pick up at cons if you know so we're uh, giving away uh, a set of uh, bookmarks and then we have a couple add-ons that at a certain level you're allowed to purchase an add-on to your reward so um, you can buy uh, for 12 bucks you get an additional set of uh, the three books that we have. Well, that we will have by October. So Black City Death number one, Black City Death, Ides of March, and the sketchbook. For 12 bucks. you can add that to your reward package. Uh, what I'm really excited about is the t-shirt. You add 25 to your pledge, and you can get yourself a uh, Black City Death t-shirt, which is uh, one of, uh, we're using the art of uh, one of the pictures that uh, Dexter sent us. And said, hey, or use this for the Kickstarter. Then we have a black and white print of the Frazetta homage that Dexter did. Uh, He did an homage of Death Dealer, and we had it colored, and it's it's one of the prints that you can choose uh, as a reward. But Dexter's black and white uh, inks are just so awesome that I wanted to make a print of that too, and so you can get that for $15. And
0: uh, next week we'll be revealing a
1: few more add-ons too.
0: Cool. Uh there was there was something else I wanted to ask you just generally because you you mentioned it earlier. Do you have any influences as a writer because of your history with comics?
1: Yeah. Uh I was I am re- I really like uh Greg Rucka. I love his work. Uh Buziak. Um his Marvel series I think is is one of the best uh Mini series of uh, I think I've ever come across him and Alex Ross just did a phenomenal job on that series.
0: It, it is, it is very good. It is, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I know it's comparable to Kingdom Come because of the art, but I, I, okay. I like this so much better, and <laughs> yeah. I love Kingdom Come. But Marvels is one of those comics that I uh, recommend and keep in trade paperback so I can hand out to people.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's it's something that I think everyone needs to read. Uh, it's just really well well done. And uh, in the comic world, those are um, some of my biggest influences. But uh, also uh, Jeff Smith, um, really uh, his story about how he got started, why he made Bone, the 1,400-page book it is, and just the book itself as is just really inspiring and definitely has an influence on me as far as um, he showed me how to tell an epic story. And then he did this all on his own. He's an independent. He's, you know, he said, I want to make a comic book. I want, I've had this idea for a book. No one's making it. I'm going to go do it myself. And, you know, he sold his share in an animation business and uh, went off and made this epic story that took, what, a decade to make. And it's just, it's so good that uh, we keep begging him for more. (laughs) I hope we, uh, yeah. I hope well, so. I, I think there is some new stuff coming out. There's, um, oh, I can't even remember. I just, I just read this. There is a new Bone story, and, but I believe he said it's the last he's ever going to do. Oh, don't tell me that. But there is new material coming out. So he's been teasing us on Twitter about
0: it. That's like <laughs> the goon, man. I just, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Are these? Are there? Please, please. Are, there uh, are there any comics that you keep up with currently, like current titles?
1: Um. No, I've actually. I. I've, I've really moved. My reading is, is mostly independent, so it's it's what I pick up at cons. And um, strangely enough, though, I uh, was at a at an event at uh, my local comic store, and I picked up uh, Power Rangers Zero and Number One. Oh just yeah. Because you know, I watched the show when I was a kid. It's like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's made by Boom, so you know it should be all right. And I'm really loving it. <laughs> so I picked those up too. <laughs> I, I I really like how what they're doing with Tommy. How he has this like ghost of Rita in his head, and uh, I, I, it's so much better than the show was. You I'm, know? I'm
0: just waiting to see all the all the single issues, all the Ranger issues. Uh, yeah, cause they're really getting interesting. Yeah, I I've been enjoying that as well. Because yeah, so Boom part- has all the best licenses, man.
1: They got some great ones. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I love what they're doing. Um, I was uh, trying to keep up with Valiant. Uh, the new Valiant has the best, some of the best talent, and in, in, I think, in comics. Um, uh, oh, a couple writers I like from there uh, Fred Van Land and Joshua, uh, uh, let's say his name wrong. I think it's Dysart. <laughs> Disart, um, I've actually talked to him a little bit on Facebook and stuff, and he's a, he's a cool guy. He's doing some really cool stuff. Exo um, Manowar is my favorite of the series, though I really dug Harb, Harbringer too. Um, I want to pick up Faith. Faith he, is really good. I was going to say it's about Faith, and I was like, I need to get to the store and grab that book.
0: They're gonna re uh, they're gonna redo it, I believe. They're gonna re, or at least they're gonna start renumbering. I heard.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm thinking at the next con, I'll try and save up a couple hundred bucks and buy all the trades, and try and <laughs> try and catch up. They they just announced this new series called War Mother from their uh, four thousand one
0: eighty. Oh, is it part of it? Okay. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't know what that is, and then you said AD. I was like, yeah. oh, I know what that is.
1: Yeah, so I'm like excited about that. I want to try and pick that up. Um,
0: yeah. I don't have
1: a, I don't have a lot of time to read comics right now. Like I'm, I'm writing. Is he making and, comics? So I, I just, I'm missing out on so much awesomeness. Uh, <laughs>
0: you'll be okay. Rebirth is coming, so you will get to so, a reboot. Oh no, no, no! Uh, DC
1: lost me a long time ago. <laughs>
0: Uh, no, that was a quick pitch for myself because I'm doing a crossover with some other podcasts at the end of the month. For
1: oh, awesome, awesome!
0: But no, we'll that's be talking cool. about rebirth and how much it's not going to help DC as well. <laughs> so, oh, I agree. Just- DC's been in a they spiral, it, and I don't know how they're going to get it. Oh, New Fifty Two was not a great idea.
1: No, no, like, it kind of backfired.
0: Yep, sure did. Don't go New Fifty Two on Black City Death. That's all I can tell you. You don't oh, need to no, relaunch no. it. No.
1: We're not, we're not rebooting. <laughs> we're gonna write this until we die. That's the way um, you go.
0: Spawn goes that way, man. Yeah, but um,
1: gosh, I hope, I hope what happened to Spawn doesn't happen with us. Like, uh, was it Spawn number nine? McFarland kind of put a promise in there to his character and to his readers that he's never gonna abandon Spawn. I think maybe it was like twenty issues later. Someone else is writing it. Someone else is drawing it, and they did that for like, I don't know. I think he's mostly done covers, and he like got lost in his toy company. Um, so like I I, I stopped reading Spawn, but you know you keep up with it on the news and everything. Yeah, like you know I don't mind. Like we got some ideas that I I wouldn't mind passing off to other writers, but this is this is my baby. <laughs> gotta
0: ride it to the wheels fall, man. Tell i just
1: can't anymore. But what's wonderful uh, and crazy about what we've done? We've created this huge universe, and and we have ten thousand years of human history to really play with and mess up. I don't know. I could conceivably see us doing this for as long as people, you know, help us make it um, by buying the issues. Yay! <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's how.
0: I, but that's how it works. I mean,
1: yeah. There's, there's the a people
0: go to Diamond and look.
1: You can buy an issue. You can buy Ides of March right now. Yes, you can. A physical copy. If you go to warriorinkeeper.com slash shop, you'll go to our little online store. That took me seven years to finally get around to making.
0: (laughs) Very fast shipping, I can tell you that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, um, oh my gosh, I can been talking so much i've lost what my whole train of thought
0: (laughs) no it's okay man i think i think we we've covered everything i had now is there anything you wanted to talk about that i haven't asked you like that's always the big one
1: um i think we covered
0: yeah everything
1: we covered a lot of cool
0: stuff we did i mean it was a really good conversation i don't get Um, comics very much on the podcast because my other uh homies here they they read them when they can but they they don't have the storied history that i do so yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you name drop and they're like who's that and you well you know he he makes comics um makes he wrote the
1: best Batman story to date yeah. wow. is it's the best one but it's it's damn good um oh shoot what was it called and he did uh No Man's yeah. Land No Man's Land. How did I space that? I've read the novel. I've read the comics. No,
0: it's okay. I only know because I have a friend, and that's how we tell time. This is how much of a comic book nerd I am. We tell time because when people ask how long we've been friends, we say, since No Man's Land? like (laughs) Cataclysm somewhere in there? Like That's how we tell time. That's
1: beautiful. That is awesome. That's a great way to measure time. That's great. Uh, I'll plug the Kickstarter one more time. Yeah, do that. Uh, Go to fund. com. We have twelve days left. We need just under two thousand more dollars to hit our goal. Um, it's very, it's been very exciting. We've gone met a lot of great people. Man, it's it's cool because like sometimes, uh, we you know we we send out a message when you back because we um, are doing this. Uh, uh, thank you, this personalized thank you from our Twitter account at blk suit of death. Um where we think our backers via personalized Twitter. So we get their uh, Twitter name, if they have one, and we uh, tweeted things to them right away. And sometimes you get in little conversations and you get to talk to some of these people that are supporting you and hear about how they're excited about it and answer their questions. And that's a lot of fun. Oh, I should probably say, uh, you can also find me, where can you find me? You can find me on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Warrior Innkeeper Creative. We have a page for black Suit of death. Um, I'm on Twitter too at warrior Inkeep there's no last E because Twitter's, uh, character limit, which is why at black of death is at BLK Black uh, BLK to death. That's why uh-huh. you're
0: on nerdtastic four pod. Yeah. Twitter has to <laughs> limit characters.
1: <laughs> I love, I love you guys' name. That's nerdtastic. That's awesome. Um, I love I love plays on words and puns and stuff. Though I'm such a such a su- sucker for those, but uh, I think we covered everything.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I just want to say thank you for coming on here and doing this with us. I know, I mean, I know you're getting something out of it, but you didn't have to do us. We're not that big, and uh, you know, thank you for your service. Of course, man. Yeah, it was a big deal for us. Uh, we're big supporters, and you know, support comics, support everything we can, help all the little guys out because we're little guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey everyone starts little you know yeah uh, the biggest stars in the world they had their struggles even,
0: uh, even the hulk was the lowly bruce banner one day yeah yeah or poor, poor bruce banner yeah so sad well i mean it can't be that bad because now he's whatever with black widow so it worked out <laughs>
1: yeah it worked out it all works out in the end yeah yeah well thank you very much for having me on the show